Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quantum Witch Cafe, your safe place to talk about anything metaphysical, spiritual, woo, um, UFO, mostly UFO, anything witchy, paranormal. You, you want to talk about it? We can talk about it as long as it's not boring, which how is any of that ever going to be boring? It won't be. Thank you for listening on Anomalous Podcast Network. If you're listening there, please leave any feedback that you can. If you're listening live, thank you so much. I appreciate you for being in the chat. I see Diesel Girl. I'm going to give her a shout out. She gets um, an A for attendance because she's always my first one in the stream. And if you're listening to this later, I appreciate you just as much. And uh, the only thing I ask to support is please like, subscribe, share. And there's other ways to support in the description. Today, I have the honor of hosting Cheryl Costa, who is the author of many things, but um, she's mostly known for UFO death sightings, desk reference books. This is the, the second one, right? You had a first one, but yeah. Um, yeah, so let's dive in, Linda. Oh, sorry. Oh my gosh. I was reading that. <laughs> Linda is her, her co-author and the, the mechanics behind the, the, the data. So how, so let it, let me know what UFO desk reference is who are you what do you do what is this reference book all about for people well, that don't know what it is and in my mind guys this is completely underrated i don't see enough of you talking about it maybe you're just afraid of numbers and pages but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> okay um when we did the first book in 2017 um i was writing a newspaper column for the syracuse new times i wrote it from 2013 to 2019 now, a lot of people think writing a newspaper column, oh, that must be fun. I said, no, it's it's a 500 to 1,000 word term paper every Thursday. You know, so right. uh, it, and, and even UFOs, I there were still those times I'd, I'd be sitting there on Wednesday and Linda would have to look at me. Well, why haven't you looked into such and such? Or why didn't you tell a story about that? You know, and uh, New York State was my beat. So we started adding up county information. Um, a, a unique thing, the two national databases, MUFON collected county data along with the city, but they didn't, it was dependent upon the person who was making the report to put in the right county. And um, let me say it this way, three and a half percent of the people who made reports didn't even enter a city. Wow. And and seven percent of people making reports didn't spell the name of the city right. <laughs> okay. Uh, and needless to say, the, the county information was uh, uh, was uh, messy. It was terrible. Okay. National UFO Reporting Center, they don't even collect county data. I wrote them a nice letter and they said, put a pin in the map. Okay. <laughs> so we ended up putting that kind of data in. And what happened is we had all these retired field investigators for New York state, former retired uh, state directors, that type of thing. We had them looking at um, the data and they were saying, we didn't know there was a cluster there. We didn't know there was a cluster there either. Oh my God. What about this? What about that? You know? And we realized we were onto something by doing, uh, to use a scientific term that Linda would use an epidemiology study, but a cluster mm -hmm. epidemiology study. And, um, one October evening, we were in our favorite pub, staring across a couple of pints. And mm -hmm. she said, what if we did the whole country? And we sat there and talked about it for about 20 minutes and said, wow, you know, it, <laughs> it would take maybe a year, it took 18 months, but we were working on weekends. 
and that's to show impressive. you, and well, we were both federal contractors when we both had our 30 year careers in DC. Okay. And the first rule of government contracting is to do as little work as possible. <laughs> now I, I know that sounds like we're lazy. No, the idea is behind that is to, as you do a job, document it very well so you can write a process procedure. So the next time you do it, you can get it done in less time, which means we make more money because you're spending less time on it. Okay. Yes. And just keep improving the process. So things we did to clean up the data back in 2016 that took me two months to do then I can do in a week. Now things that took us like a month to do then I can do in a couple of days now. Okay. Or even yeah. a morning in some cases. Okay. So, um, because we know, we know how to do it. And oh, by the way, the data from MUFON had its problems and the data from National UFO Reporting Center had their problems and they were two totally incompatible databases. So we had to come up with a, a translation process. We had a cleanup process. We had a, a uh, process to put county data into it. Um, it, it was, it was a, a huge undertaking. By the time we got to 2000, and we, we published a book in 2017, and it had about 121,000 sightings in it. And the New York Times did a huge science magazine article about us. Wow. Uh, folks listening to the program, if you want to Google this, go ahead. NYT for New York Times, NYT UFO Costa, C-O-S-T-A. Okay, NYT UFO Costa. You'll get a 24 April 2017 Science Magazine article. And it was very, very respectful. And it was part of the 2017 disclosure process. Because wow. back in January was the, the Obama era disclosure of having the CIA download, uh, uh, declassify and have the archives put up uh, a whole bunch of uh, million Kissinger documents from the, mm -hmm. from the cold war, but there were UFO things in there too. And apparently the New York times had downloaded this stuff and saw the, the fact that like the CIA always said, Oh, we don't study that stuff. And here were all these uh, OSI scientists pulling their hair out, trying to figure <laughs> out what, what different things meant with the UFOs. So they did a really nice article on us and the phones at my newspaper and my home phone ran off the hook from news directors and editors all over the world. It was crazy. Okay. So, um, we waited, we ran a course with that. And in 2020, we're in lockdown and we're starting to look ahead to the end of 2020. We're going to do a five-year update. Okay. 2001 to 2020 mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, uh, we realized Three and a half percent of people didn't didn't put a city in. We got a way to do it. We wrote unspecified and made an unknown county uh, uh, placeholder in every single state. Okay, we handled that with the first book. But what we also realized is people were about seven to ten percent of people were spelling either the city wrong or they were putting something else in, like um, uh, uh, Joe's Junction uh, next to Bob's gas station. Or oh, something like okay. that, or there'd be a space in the front of the yeah. of the of the city listing, or they spelled it in uh, half yeah. caps or half, you know, and it was crazy. So we had to find a way to stabilize that, um, and we also decided we would have liked to had zip code information, lat longitude, that kind of thing. Right. So um, in August of 2020, where else was I going to go? We were in lockdown, 
Okay. And I'm retired. So it was even more of a lockdown because you, you, you couldn't go any place that retired people go, you know, go to the yeah. movies, you know, like, whatever your life when you're retired, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, um, I, it was like going back to work at Lockheed Martin. Um, I literally was putting in a seven hour day, five days a week. I mean, I took off on the weekend uh, and then it, this process of correcting it with a golden mail list merged into the database temporarily. And it went from uh, middle of August to the first week of January, 2021 to, to do that. It was about an 850 hour effort. Okay. Wow. 650 hour. I, I correct that 650 hour effort. The process of putting out the, 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 the new book that took only 850 hours of my labor okay. didn't even involve other than Linda coming in when I had printouts of every single thing. <laughs> and we literally laid the manuscript for the book out down the hallway and oh uh, the longest hallway in the apartment kind of thing. And, and she would say, Oh no, this is going, this chapter is going there. This chapter is going there. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Rearranging. But, now let, but, let me show you what we're talking if, about. Oh yeah, please. This is, she's a big old book. She's a big 400 girl. book four, over, over 400 pages. Raw data. There is some like half Charts, of it graphs, raw, tables. raw data. The first part of it, you'll, you'll be able to read about different shapes and different, every state. Um, she debunks the 37th parallel thing to an extent. Well, actually, she did she debunks it because everybody's like, oh, 37th parallel, but we'll get into that later. So I just want people to know that ask me, seen it. ask me why it's a pink. Why is it pink? That's a good question. I like it, but why is it pink? Okay, first thing, um, women sometimes don't get credit in the UFO community. Okay, point right. one, <laughs> we wanted people to know. But what happened was in 2019, before we knew anything about COVID, the usual suspects in DC our lobbyists called me up and said, you know, Senator Rubio is trying to put a, a, a rider on a bill that would, that would maybe generate uh, congressional hearings. And we said, okay. He said, Hey, would you, you girls wrote the only books, the only book ever published about UFOs and statistically and yeah. analyzing it. Uh, not even blue book did this stuff. Um, are you prepared to testify before Congress if, if necessary? You're the civilian experts on the numbers. And we, we sat there and said, yeah. Now, understand, we had been federal contractors. You oh, that's what I'm going to say. You also have a, um, a work history with, you know. Yeah. So federal contractors, you do your job in such a way, you do your best not to end up in front of Congress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, so we said, yeah, okay, fine. So Linda and I got talking about it and we were already starting to plan the next, the next book. And we said, you know, if we end up before Congress and there's going to be a nice big thick book up there and if the congressmen or senators can be flipping through it and we might be on television, C-SPAN mm -hmm. or something, we want them to know it's was made by women. In fact, we dedicated it to um, uh, Cora Lorenz. It founded APRO, which was the predecessor to MUFON. And we said, women's book. So let's make the thing bright fuchsia so you you, you can't miss it. You can flag an aircraft with Love this it. book, you know. So that that's how the story for that came And it's about. easy to find, right? Like Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can find it on Amazon. You, you know, just go to the book section and just type in uh, a UFO uh, sightings desk reference or put my name in there and it'll come right up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So I wanted to show people because not a lot of I don't hear enough people talking about it, in my opinion, but not everybody's into um, 
like this sort of data or this sort Church of Church graphs and numbers. I yeah. get hate mail. I get hate mail all the Why? time. Why didn't you put some case studies in there? Because there's case a, studies books all over the place. Everybody's honestly. got case yeah. studies. We wanted to do it. Linda wanted to do a different kind of science. Okay. Uh, and this was unbroken ground to do this kind of science, to do an epidemiology study of UFOs. Nobody had ever done it. Yeah, exactly. And people keep asking and begging for real science, real science. And here we have this big old fatty book full <laughs> of, if you're a statistician, this is like, this is like a cake to you. This is, uh, like, sorry, I, I was going to, I was going to do statistics on the side too, like as my minor. So that's, that's why I'm talking all weird about it. But yeah, it's, it's really amazing what you did, what you and Linda did. Well, um, we, just... we found out a lot of stuff. Um, it isn't just the numbers of where they are. Um, that We had one chart. Other people told us it was stupid. You know, we plotted mm -hmm. UFOs by month. And they thought that's Not a stupid, stupid chart, you know. And the way it worked was it looked like this in a northern state. Actually, let me level my arms here. A level state. There's this quiescent amount of sightings, January, February, March, April, up to about up to about May, June. It starts to tick up a little bit. And then July and August are through the roof. And then it's, it ramps back down again and back down to that, that steady, low, quiescent amount of sightings, which are dog walkers, smokers, and smokers who are walking the dog. Okay. Right. Um, and MUFON investigators will tell you that they certainly, when they look at a month's worth of sightings, they'll take the text file and they'll search for smoke and dog. They're reliable observers because they're out there day in, day yes, out. They yes. know the environment. Okay. So there was that chart. We found out that Linda discovered, she was putting the book together and she said, did you look at these, these monthly charts? And I said, not really. I was busy other things, you know? And she says, when you get down to the middle level states, that peak starts coming down and the base level starts coming up. And then when you get the deep south states, it was like statistic. And I'm going to rope my arm here, statistically flat, but the summer months actually start going in the toilet a little bit because it's too hot to be outside. So yeah. temperate weather is a driver for visibility of UFOs. Absolutely. People, if you're not outside, you can't see them. Exactly. Another thing we discovered coming into this pink book um, we discovered that um, uh, we plotted it by hours of the day and we mm -hmm. found out that 68 to 75% of the sightings happened between five o'clock at night and 1130 at night with the bulk of it happening between 830 and 1030 at night, bedtime hours, which right. raised the question, wow. Is, are these things all being seen out in the bedroom communities? Remember, outside of a major, most people would look at the, the map and on the, in the thing and say, oh, well, Cheryl, you know, it's all concentrated in the major cities. And I said, no, there's got to be something else going on here. Right. So we, since that book, we've been working on it. We added zip code data. And what we found out was there you got a major metropolitan area. Okay. You've got the suburbs. You've got the bedroom communities further out. You've got the unincorporated communities further out from there. And then you get into the rural areas. Okay. And I found out just a couple of weeks ago, working with this data that we found out that in one case, a particular state, and I used it as a model, you look at the, the, the metropolitan area of one particular area and there was sightings all across from that zip code or core zip code uh, every year, 2001 to 2015, uh, 2020. Okay. It's solid, good, solid numbers. Okay. And then you look down at the rest of the zip codes in that same state or in that same county. 
And there were onesies, twosies, threesies, foursies, that type of thing. Okay, mm -hmm. these are the zip codes. But when you added all those zip codes up other than that metropolitan area, it e either e equaled, nearly equaled, equaled, or surpassed that large metropolitan area. Um, okay, so uh, yeah. yes, it we proved that fact out, and that's going to come out in whatever next thing we publish. Um, crazy stuff. Very cool. And you said you're currently discovering things with, um, you know, the counties, right? Oh, God. Yeah, counties. In the continental United States, when we're counting the states, all, um, normally continental, you don't count uh, uh, Alaska and Hawaii. But for this, we will, because we do have territories out there. There's about 3,232 counties. Now, this number is changing. OK, uh, sometimes a, a city in Virginia decides it wants to incorporate and be its own county. OK, things like this, sometimes they're merging counties. OK, so uh, if you Google it and say, oh, she's wrong. No, trust me. I've been looking at this for a long time. It's thirty two hundred uh, three thousand two hundred thirty two counties. Thirty one hundred twenty nine counties had UFOs. One hundred and three did not. Okay. So and that number is 48 hours old, that 103. I had to go back into the database for something else we're doing and determine exactly what counties were missing from our database that didn't have any sightings. And we actually put a, a dummy, a dummy record in there to account for them all. That's very interesting. And that's again, something that really hasn't been done at this level. You know, we've had people Kind of like say stuff like, oh, well, here and there we see, you know, they they look at just one, but you've combined two huge set, sets of data. How many um, data points did you have for the pink book? 167,632. Okay. And you get that data from MUFON and Norfolk, right? Yeah. It, it's been a cumulative database from what I had previously. And then we just added the last couple, the last five years worth of data. And MUFON okay. was very cooperative with us about it. And they got a copy of the book, and so did uh, uh, Peter Davenport at New Fork. We, we made sure they got a couple of copies. Yes, absolutely. Because for people and like Senator Rubio got a copy of this book. <laughs> nice. And what I did for him, we wrote, we, we put two, two packages together, two pink books, and then uh, a senior member of the House Intelligence Committee was a New York state representative. And then Rubio at the time before the election uh, was the head of the uh, Senate Intel committee. And we printed out all the sightings for Florida, right down to the zip code county and zip code <laughs> and the shapes and the years going across the page, 2001 to 2020. And it was, a, it was a, it was a inch thick. We put it in a little three wow. ring binder, you know, and we put that in there. And they got both of these guys and the New York state guy got a similar thing. And we, we gave them a very short, very terse cover letter, a four line executive summary that basically said, this is how many sightings in the United States in the last 20 years. This is how many counties has had them. This is how many zip codes have had them. And if you decide to have congressional hearings, we are the civilian experts on UFO statistics invite us. Yes. Yes, you are. You're the only one doing this. And um, and that's becoming more and more of a reality as people catch on, as government catches, especially this year with, um, the, you know, 
the new um, office being worked into the fiscal year and the CAA is doing their own thing, I guess. <laughs> but um, yes, they, when, when they do start congressional hearings and I'm saying when, because I'm putting that out there, um, it's going to be it's very a, important. It's in a holding pattern. The, the usual suspects say because of COVID and all that, it slowed everything down. Excuse my French, <clears throat> excuse me, burritos. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's in a holding pattern. It's going to happen. It might not be this year. It might be next year. Right. But it's going to happen sooner or later because um, uh, just too many questions are being asked. Yes. Yeah. By more people that are kind of in positions of power. We, this is, I feel like this is the first time that the government, besides the agencies that were kind of keeping the secrets or the data from people, there's more people like, you know, in Senate, paying attention to this be like, Hey, like, why haven't we been briefed on this? You know, it's, it's getting traction and people are mad that it's not happening all at once, but you have to take it a little bit at a time because this is a new thing that they're doing. This is a new office. Um, we're, 50, we're 50 years behind the eight ball because Dr. Condon told yes. the government back in Congress back in 1968, Oh, there's no reason to spend any money on this stuff. There shouldn't mm -hmm. be any money available for government agencies to research this thing or, or colleges, uh, university. That's where it should have been done. Okay? Yes. What yes. Linda and I have been doing for the 6,000 hours worth of effort in the last seven years, what we have done, um, on my salary and her salary and I'm retired, I'm on a pension. Uh, and now she's on a pension at this point. She just retired. Um, should have been done by the census department or the department yes. of education. This should have been done at a government level and collected and advertised well. So people know where to report. You have, yes. I still get people I'll, I'll post something up in a Facebook group and they'll say, well, I don't know where to report these things. The, the information isn't isn't UFO community. I, I've asked people on some of these social groups back when the first book came out. I said, "Do you really want disclosure? If you do, go to your local library's information desk and tell them that print off the the, the 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 Amazon page about this book. Tell them to get this book so it can be publicly available in your library." Yes. And the cynicism was, "We don't want to sell your book for you." That's so stupid. You got to put, so put you got to put your work in guys too. If these people, you know, if Cheryl and Linda put their time and money into this to make this you need to put your time in to promote it. And the thing is people are I'm glad that you two did it versus the government because maybe they if they had done it maybe we would have to you fight to have get the information seen, you wouldn't have ever seen it yeah exactly no. and this is this is we are, everybody wants to talk about grassroots grassroots this is like this is a big grassroots book right here that they've done and i just i get kind of like passionate about it because people complain that there's not enough numbers and data and on um and you know non-bias analysis but this is a statistical analysis there's not you don't put any of your beliefs into this book there's no uh stories there's the only thing that you say is i'm calling them ufos because that's what they are not well, you we, we, we yeah <laughs> we do it we do a near we do we did do some narrative linda yeah. had a rather scathing preface in the book you know she says here we are five years later still doing the government's mm -hmm. job you know yeah and uh she a little hostile when yeah. she wrote that but the the bottom line was we wrote the equivalent to a college paper in there as the only narrative. And we yes. said, this is what we developed. This is how we did it and why we did it. And this is what we've yes. discovered. And since we published that, we've discovered even more. Yes. Um, so it, it's cool. <laughs> I've reached out to media. I'm a journalist. I've reached out to editors and like 
it's like, huh? huh? Yeah. The, I don't know what it is. Um, if it's not sensationalized or made into like a, a really like. They've been told, know. they've been told we're crackpots. So obviously they're still believing that narrative. Doesn't matter how much good data will they even look right. at. Academia is the same way. Although I did get a telephone call. I went to, I used to live in New York. I reached out to, uh, uh, there's 62 state of New York, uh, state university of New York colleges. Okay. Actually there's 32 of them. I reached out to 16 of them. I, I sent a, a collective email to the philosophy department, philosophy department, the physics department, social media, uh, the, um, uh, uh, earth sciences and sociology. Okay. And each of the schools provided they had those departments. And I, I gave them that paper that, that was in the pink book and said, please invite us in for a free presentation. We will show you the data, you know, please don't treat us like Galileo. Okay. They yeah. wouldn't look through Galileo's telescope. Okay. No. So, you know, crickets. Okay. Yeah. Now, although state university of New York at Albany has taken my papers, 25 crate loads, they had to send a truck down to get it. Okay. I used to be a trans activist back in the day. Okay. So between that and activism, my plays, my indie films and all my UFO research, they've been getting it all. And that gives us a level of immortality. Okay. Because somebody's going to get a PhD 50 years after I'm dead. <laughs> as, yeah. they, as they say, but th that's, that's, that's where we are. Now I got a phone call about three hours ago from some, uh, in uh, some, uh, uh, documentary filmmakers. Okay. Cool. And these, these are academic types and they have a couple of professors who want me to come and talk to them. That's amazing. And, and talk to me on camera. And me talk to them on camera. So this is going to happen literally not this weekend, but next weekend. Very cool. Very cool. We're making progress. Yeah. You have to follow everybody, follow Cheryl in any way that you can. Um, and the, and you said that people might be getting degrees in this one day. I just had um, Jeffrey Kripal on last Saturday, this pa the Saturday that just passed. And he, that's one of his main things is, you know, he studies the paranormal and the phenomenon. And he, one of his main things is getting, like this into a university to study for with more people studying it, like as an actual degree, um, which isn't a lot to ask. I mean, well, there's, there's a paradox. Person. There's a paradox. Uh, give me uh, Linda. Will, if Linda was here, she'd give you this, this paradox. Um, she started out at the environmental protection agency. She had worked at the national Academy of science. She's the real scientist of the two of us. Okay. I've got the arts and the entertainment degree. And she, um, uh, she wanted to work in environmental work. So when they formed the EPA, all the people there, there was no such thing as a degree in environmental science back in the day, back in the sixties and early seventies, when, uh, president Nixon formed EPA, um, so everybody had the best of it. You know, the, the, you had a good degree if you had biology, if you had chemistry, fine, great. Those are deep researchers, technical researchers. But the, the body of research people had a smorgasbord of degrees. Similar thing. I used to work in corporate security. 
we all had degrees and I had a degree in playwriting and, and art and, you know, the, uh, that kind of writing, uh, entertainment writing. Um, uh, we, uh, the director of our department had an English degree and a degree in education. Everybody, we had one person in our shop had a degree in zoology. This was all before 2000, uh, 2001. Okay, 9-11. We couldn't give a job away at a college in corporate security. People thought it was guards and fences and white socks. Okay. <laughs> and then we were the IT security people. After 9-11, suddenly everybody is an expert and all these colleges are offering degrees in this stuff. And all of us who had been carrying the torch for years were re quietly retired out of the business. Mm strange but here ufos in the same situation uh we don't have a, a people say well what makes you qualified well i used to do analysis work for the navy i did analysis work for 30 years for lockheed martin that's making me qualified to do the analysis yes. work here i don't do case studies linda and i don't like ticks barbed wires mud or cow right. <laughs> We don't do that. We don't do that stuff. We decided to do the Indiana Jones thing and start in a library and fly a terminal. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And everybody so, has their job and, you know, or their role in this whole disclosure process. Yes, yes. And I'm very thankful that you two collaborated on this, this book. So where does this come from? Where does this passion come from? Where did the interest in UFOs come from for you? Um, are you Short story for me was I had my first sighting when I was 12 and with my parents, a uh, silver ball parked out there in the afternoon sky, clear blue sky, and it was out there. If you hold your arm out, look at your little, uh, your little finger, fingernail. That's how big it was. It was parked out there. And uh, when it decided to leave, it was like something you see in a modern starship movie. Pew, gone. You yeah. Know? And uh, it, it changes you. And it changed me. And my mother and I... Um, you know, parents are stupid when you're a teenager, you know? <laughs> and um, so the, the deal was um, my mom and I, this was one thing we could talk about. I would get books at oh, the wow. library. She'd get books at the, the bookstore and we read and share with each other. Uh, when Von Danigan's book, Chariots of the Gods came out, oh, cool. I dog-eared on the bottom. She dog-eared on the top. Oh, the I love was, it. The book was destroyed, you know? Oh, I but, love books that are lived in like that. Some oh, people don't, yeah. but I love it. Well, the bottom line was, uh, that was the start of it. Um, I just read stuff. I wasn't a fanatic about it. I didn't want to go out there and investigate them or anything like this as a kid. I went in the military. They frowned on being th members of a group like, um, like MUFON, that kind of thing. Right. So I couldn't do that. Um, my next big sighting was in Cameron Bay, Vietnam. Uh, on Christmas Eve, a friend of mine and I were walking down to the base chapel to go to midnight mass for something to do. And uh, neither one of us were really Catholics anymore. And uh, we went, we're going down there to see this, and there's this thing streaking across the sky, and then it stops. And I'm looking at it, and my friend saw it, and he said, Jets don't stop. I said, Yeah, and helicopters don't fly that fast. I said, if that's what I think it is, and of course, remember, I'm well-read at this point, uh, I think it's going to start dancing around like a fairy. Damned if it didn't, and then poof, gone, you know. And neither one of us ha had our minds on midnight mass when they got to the chapel. No. After that, <laughs> my, my between my military career and then my career, uh, civilian career, I always had a clearance, and I couldn't be involved in this stuff. Okay. Okay. And um, I had a hard enough time keeping my clearance because I was a trans person and they, they, they 
went through a lot of hoops on that with mm. me. But the bottom line was when I got out of Lockheed and I was no longer under the restrictions of my clearance, uh, I started going around uh, and, and pitching the idea of writing a newspaper column. And I retired in 2011, 2013. I started writing a column for the Syracuse New Times. And um, it was an instant hit. And uh, uh, you wouldn't believe how many editors had turned us away when I went and pitched them. Mm. Okay. But yeah. this one guy took a chance on me. We'll try you out for a month. He had this tone of the dread pirate <laughs> Roberts from, from, uh, from Princess Bride. I'll most likely kill you in a month. You know? <laughs> and uh, he calls me up and says, get over here. We got to talk. And I'm going, oh, all right. Uh, so I get go. over there yeah. and figure this is it. You know, and I walk into the meeting and all the other columnists are sitting around this table. And he points at me and says, there's our rock star. And I said, what are you talking about? It's just, you've been here a month. And you're pulling more page views than everybody. I was on the online edition. And, uh, and he said, keep doing it. Six months later, the digital editor comes to me and says, you're pulling a national audience. Uh, Christmas party, another six months later, the publisher and the digital editor say, you're pulling an international audience. So the and the column is sort of still out there. The paper went out of business in 2011, but they've kept the server up with an archive of all the articles of mine. My articles are available on Amazon. If you go up to books, look up Cheryl Costa, and there's a book called The UFO Beat, and that is a collection of all 238 articles that we wrote. So oh, if you want cool. stories, that's where you go. Go go get that's the cool. stories I wrote. You have that's very interesting. I didn't see that one. I'm, I think that I was blown away. I think I went there directly the first time because I had seen you on Gaia talking to George Norrie, and I've listened to George Norrie. I'm not even exaggerating since I was little. Like my aunt would listen to Coast to Coast, and I heard with George Norrie, Art Bell, and I'd fall asleep on the floor because she was my aunt and she was the cool aunt, so she listened to weird things, and I'd fall asleep on the floor listening to him. <laughs> but um, I saw I was watching George Norrie's show on Gaia, and I saw you, and that's how I found out about this book, the the UFO sightings desk reference book so um when i went on your amazon i went right to this ordered it and then this past time i was looking um i saw that you had other books too so this isn't the only thing that she has guys she's got some other good stuff oh we go we can go into the woo in a bit but let me show you Ooh, something what, we'll what are we trip. working on right now see this kind of data printout right here um, we decided in the big book we had to summarize everything and we could only go to the 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 county level in the big big pink book um what we're working on right now is um we're, we're going to drill we're going to generate a single book for every major ufo shape with all the data right down to this uh, zip code and city level very cool okay it's 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 time consuming it is yes. uh it has been it's a, it's 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 a um bottle of aspirin kind of effort uh because the the, the Generating the charts is easy. The computer does that. Putting in the formatting for the headers and things like that yeah. takes takes a lot of time, and we go through an awful lot of coffee doing it. But uh, we're we're building them. Uh, we're in, in the process of building them. In fact, the the, the documentary film team's coming here next week, not this coming awesome. weekend, but next weekend to actually film, watching us work on work on the thing. Um, but the that's where we're going with this. We may even do a. We're not sure. We, we said we thought about doing the idea of doing an individual one for every single state right down to the city level. If we tried to do it in one book, it'd be 6,000 pages. Yeah. Okay. Uh, literally, it would be a foot and a half deep. You. I believe you. <laughs> and uh, so we said we can't do that. So we looked at it. Even California, we can do for under 500 pages. So we said, okay, wow. fine. Let's let's do this. But what let's state would have the biggest book? California. 
California. Okay. Yeah. Um, the the one we did, did the template build on. We actually built one book already. And the template built was done on South Dakota. It's like the second or third from the bottom uh, of, of states for a number of states. They only had like about 218 or something like that. But uh, in 20 years. But uh, most of them on one one Indian reservation. So funny how that wow. works out. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Wanna go to the woo? Wanna go to the woo? <laughs> yep. It's all connected, right? Oh, um, yeah. one more question before we sure. start traveling into the woo side, because if this was just a nuts and bolts show, um, you probably wouldn't be here because I wouldn't have a show that's just nuts and bolts. That's just not me. Yeah. I understand both sides. You need both sides, but um, the 37th parallel might be a good segue into the more strange, high strangeness woo stuff because I was so excited when I found out about the 37th parallel and I was like, oh, the 37th parallel. And I could only find two things of it online. I should have known better. Uh, UFO superhighway. Yes. Yeah. I was like, UFO superhighway. That's going to be my, I'm going to talk to my husband. We're going to take a road trip with the kids. And then I got your book. <laughs> And it's not a real thing. So can you tell people what people think the 37th parallel well, is okay. and what it actually right. may not be or this, what we think? You know, I know we can't say for sure because, you know, but. Well, OK, <laughs> here's here's the flavor of it. Um, 37th parallel. Uh, they were saying it's it's got all this. These it has these sightings and it's paranormal and all this other stuff. OK. And the book came out in uh, 2016 about this. We were deep into working on the first book, so we didn't really have time to go fuss with it. And we, we sat there and looked at that, that art when the book came out, and we're going, that doesn't feel right. Because we took a look at the map and looked across the, the United States, and 37th Parallel went through um, the, the southern, mostly the southern states. Okay. Yeah. And we looked at that and said, that doesn't feel right because we knew that most of the counties in the Southern states really lacked in, in sighting data. So my, my best guess, you know, uh, Linda and I were one day over coffee at breakfast time. We were saying, you know, eh, what's your best guess? And I said, 40, 42, 41, somewhere in a latitude up closer to the great lakes, you know, um, in the what, what we'll call the industrialized northeast, so to speak, going across the country, and that was our guess, that was our 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 gut guess. But we were working on the book, and we just didn't have time to fuss with that. And when we uh, when we got the other book out, and we had the intervening time since 2017 to 2020. Uh, in 2018, I had added the latitude longitude information to the database for uh at that time it was like back 140,000 records and it was it was tedious it was like oh, yeah. uh, 800 lines a day is all i could do in because you were going crazy in the yeah, spreadsheet yeah. version of the database <laughs> and um and but when we got it done we found at least 10 other latitudes that had far more sightings than the 37th. Now, people kept coming back to me and saying, oh, but they got paranormal. Yeah. Okay. I had I had the intern sit down. And the intern, <laughs> I said, search like this. And it was a standard statement. Okay. Paranormal in Kentucky. Paranormal in Arizona. Okay. 
every state has their ghost walk, has their haunted uh, prison or haunted hospital. Yes. It was, it, it, this was all pretty level stuff. They all had this. There was some other thing that they had talked about in there. Uh, oh, oh um, live. I don't want to say cattle mutilation, livestock mutilation. Yes. It's a broader topic. Okay. Yeah. Uh, livestock mutilation. Then in turn, the next day sat down and sat there with Google and just cranked all 50 states livestock mutilation. And every, you have the perception it's Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma. Yeah. We all have that perception. It's every single state has livestock mutilation. Wow. So this was, again, nothing that really said um, 37th parallel. Um, though I do bow a little bit to those people who say the 33rd might have something goofy going on. Uh, you know, Masons, all that kind of stuff. It, it goes right. through the pyramids or something, you know, all yeah. that. And uh, I'm, willing to, um, uh, I'm willing to bow my head on that and say, yeah, maybe because the numbers were significantly more than the 37th. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah, so yeah. That was that's how we did that one. That's super cool. And there there's more details in the book if you want to read about um Yeah, I put that article in there. Yeah. yeah, it's in there. And I, I thought that was it all it popped my balloon, but then it was also interesting to to see the process of it written about. So no 37th parallel balloon for me, guys. Go you can go <laughs> on my Rico walk, but I was all about it. I was like, yes, UFO super highway. It's gonna happen. The one thing we don't have, one thing we don't have in a book and neither database really had it. Okay. There's no, there's very, I can probably count on both hands. The number of times I saw a reference to abduction yeah. or, uh, or a reference to an entity. Okay. That wasn't yeah. some uh, blown out hoax that says, Hey, I was playing basketball and this guy came down and said, he's Zorgon from the quantum galaxy right. and he's going to here to take over the world, right. you know, you know, um, but the bottom line was that there was, um, there was almost no references to it. Now I do know talking to MUFON investigators that some of that stuff is in the stuff we don't see on the public feed. Right. Okay. Um, Cause not but, a lot of people want that out there. Um, no, no, they don't. They don't. Um, I did do a project. Um, I was approached by some of the usual suspects uh, and they said, hey, why don't you reach out to Whitley Streber? He's got uh, his wife got uh, something like almost 500,000 letters, oh you know, and see if you can get access to just gather state information, your information, yeah, gender okay. information, yeah. that kind of thing. But the stuff his papers have gone to a unit an, an, uh, oh. uh, some another university. So that will make him available at some point yes okay probably after he's dead okay oh, but yeah. then again maybe not uh that you know there's this confidentiality issue here too yes. you know so um but the it is archived someplace um i probably won't be the person that gets to analyzing though i have attempted to reach out to him and say would you trust me to do a good job and not hurt anybody i have tried to reach out to him right right yeah, and that's a lot of information just to be sitting in a box somewhere, uh, especially with more and more experiencers who have abduction type scenarios happen to them um, are talking about it more and more. And that's something that I really um, opened my channel up to is people that have had very strange experiences that lean towards that abduction. And I see Linda Thompson in the chat and she's very um open with Hi, Linda. <laughs> you know so and you did the uh lynn wallington event with her too right she was there as well right yes, um, yes. yeah so yes and um but yes i i admire linda for what she does and then yep she's saying 
Rice University has them. Jay Christopher King was just there. Um, yep, Rice University has all the good stuff. Apparently, they have um, okay Mr. to Kreisel do that. Project. This this is the project that would require additional people. Yeah, and re would require. Uh, I I I used be a project manager at Lockheed towards the end of my career. And I, I, I wrote it out as if I was going to do a contract to the government and I figured out what it would take labor wise. And I would need, I would need uh, a handful of data entry people to do it. I would need a staff of about 12 to 20 people wow. to do this correctly and yeah. to get it all entered in the data, sanitize so we could work with it. Okay. Um, that would require, I'd get a grant from somebody to do this, you know, so, yeah. the, and who's going to give a UFO right, researcher right. a grant. Okay. Except maybe somebody like the guy out there in, uh, um, Nevada, he used to own a skin rock walker yep. or something like that. Yep. Or but, Gary Nolan. Yeah. He's got his research, um, but it's not the same as what you're trying to research. Right. Um, so. But yeah, that's hopefully, you know, and Rice University seems to be the people that are going to make some headway on this. They probably they they probably will eventually. Yes. And it'll be more of a historical You're just going to have to be training people in case something, you know, because we're going to need somebody to carry this on years down the road when you don't want to do it anymore. Or you decide to go on to the mothership because, you know, well, we can't of, have somebody leaving the earth with that do, does what you do. We need people. You need a you need a, a mentee. You need somebody to carry on your work. Um you know, because we see so many wonderful people passing in the community that are doing such special work and unique work. And then nobody's there to carry the torch on. And that is very scary because it just stops like their research just stops. Well, and, uh, this data, this is the last the, that reference books, the, the last one. Uh, we're not going to do another reference book. We may do individual studies, st states. We may we may and we are working on individual states analysis right down to the zip code and city level. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's doable. Um, and uh, we'll see where we are at that point at, when we get done doing those, whether or not we're on our hot roll and want to keep going with it. The The problem is, is that we look at is um, I'm 70 in two weeks. Okay. What? And, uh, you know, and I, I, I would like, I would like to, there's some other things I would like to do, you know, uh, in my uh, retirement. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to spend your every minute on a spreadsheet. Come on. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I know. I am um, <laughs> I, I, I I love uh, live action role play. I'm a LARP person, and yes, I, I, I just love read that. Yeah, I, I love writing LARPs and things like this, little ones and big ones. And uh, I wrote one in 2018. It's, you know exactly. You know, I spent six months writing it. You know, wow. and uh, it has yet to be actually executed and done. Okay, mm. and I've got the facilities. I got people who want to fund it and all kinds of stuff, but. I'm busy working on this. Okay? It's crazy which how is, the phenomenon sucks people in like this. You know, so many people I meet that are doing a lot of work on this. It's not their first love. It becomes um, almost their, not, I don't want to say obsession because that sounds horrible, but it becomes almost like something they have to do, a calling in a way. And then there's other things, you know what I mean? Because I've tried to do the whole witch thing on, you know, last, I teach metaphysics, teach meditation, and I just keep getting back into the UFO stuff. So um, I understand you as in, you know, a performing arts person, yeah. that's your, that's your love, that's your passion, but you're, you almost have like a sense of duty to do this analysis type stuff. Well, I put in, I put in, I put in a number of hours. In fact, Linda very much appreciate, watches me come out here and literally after the second cup of coffee, start working like I went back to work, you know, um, 
uh, it's important. Um, the database is going to be given to State University of New York at oh, Albany cool. when we're done. Um, uh, it, it, uh, you know, people have been calling me, oh, can I have a copy of it? It, it has no citing information in it. It's raw data. People right. <laughs> seem to think that there's all this other stuff hidden in there. It is what, when, where, what shape, when was it in, in, in yes. location. And it, that's what it was stripped down to. We took all the narrative out when we got mm -hmm. the data. We didn't need it. We were only doing a uh, uh, cluster analysis. We did not need all the stories. Right. So, and so, it takes a certain type of brain to uh, see a picture with that sort, with those sort of correlations coming through. Um, because not everybody will look at even a graph and they'll just be like, it's a graph. Well, Nobody you know, I, I get a lot of mail like that. Mm -hmm. you know, I go about your book. It's just charge graphs and numbers. This thing is boring. You know, I'm it's sorry. Not, though, you, you, know? you just don't, you're not using, not everybody gets images or understanding or inspiration from stuff like that. But there is a huge group of analytical people that need to see the data in order to open their mind to more extreme um, extreme possibilities or paranormal possibilities or even just the UFO possibility. They might see this and they'll be like, oh, like my brain hurts because this means something's happening. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So you um, are involved in other cool things that you can talk about here at the Witch Cafe, right? Um, I noticed that you wrote a really cool book. She's a <laughs> wizard, guys. No, no she's a uh, she wrote a book that I did not know, and I've I've been fangirling for the past years. See, um, and it has great reviews. So you said you accidentally, basically, was like, "I'm a witch." On when you were talking about UFO stuff, and you ended up having a um, mystical mentors show, right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, there's like three shows that got me outed on that. We got talking, we got, we were talking UFO stuff. And then uh, some people wanted me to go into the woo with it and talk the mystical, the, the consciousness stuff. And I lived in a Buddhist monastery for seven years. Okay. And I've been, a, 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 as of this moment, I'm 44 years as a, as a pre, a, a, a witch priestess. So, um, uh, I'm a priestess of I sisterhood of Isis. Okay. Oh, and nice. so the, um, and I retired and in my tradition, when you retire, when you retire, you're expected to, there's an expectation. It's not a rule, sort of a guideline, uh, but basically uh, you should write a book of your life and magic. And some people write spell books. Some people write uh, how to manage a coven. Some people just write a memoir that type of thing. I decided to tackle, magical mechanics and treat it like science and awesome. this book basically it takes it takes it and says what magic is is thought in the form i'm going to teach you how to do it this is how you do it and it's not hard but it's not easy and uh, all the all the trappings and everything are tools but the mechanics the physics of how to do magic is discussed yes. in great detail. And uh, I've had very accomplished people look at it and say, wow, I didn't know that either. You know, that type of thing. So um, I did a book signing last weekend and uh, I was there all day, eight, eight hours on Friday and eight hours on Saturday. And we sold a huge crate of books. I'm sure. I'm sure. Where did and, you do your signing at? It was a, it's at a place in um, Lakewood, uh, uh, Ohio called The New Moon. 
the oh, new cool. moon. And since that time, yesterday morning, the uh, the owner of New Moon sat down with me for an hour on the phone and signed me up to teach a whole bunch of classes. Now, I am oh. not taking on students like New Coven students, that type of thing. I'm right. not taking on any students. I am retired from the pastoral stuff. But I, I told her I would be willing to do the mentor seminar lecture stuff. And she said, fine. She signed me up for, for six months, two, wow. two lectures, um, uh, two classes. Very cool. I'm sorry. Four classes a month, basically two on a Saturday, two on another Saturday for five months. Very so, cool. So, so guys, I'm looking forward to me, that. I'm that's, in Ohio that's fun. taking these classes. <laughs> well, um, you know, it was funny when we were signing books. If you came into the library room where I was, um, I was sitting behind in this big wingback chair with a the 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 store's house cat is a very large oh. black cat named Alistair, oh, and he was stretched across my table for most oh, of my, I love him. most of my writing and most of my <laughs> signing books. And what would happen is uh, people would come in, we get a conversation going, and people were looking at the book. Next thing you know, I got people sitting on the floor, and we're having a impromptu class about either beginner stuff or very advanced stuff you know so things cool. like this and it was uh, the store kept track of it and they said my god you must have had 12 classes in there over the course of two days and i said yeah <laughs> that's awesome you're like it was a, it was a ton of fun things. it was a ton of fun it sounds it like fun and, and let's go into woo let's go into okay woo. all right so what do you want to talk about with woo? you want to talk about what have you found any like uh how does the UFO phenomenon relate into like woo topics or spirituality or consciousness to you? How does it all come together? Because I know a lot of people that are spiritual minded and open minded with spirituality end up at some point having um, an opinion of UFOs or interdimensional beings or stuff like that. Okay. Um, I'll start, at, I'll start at a very, very fundamental level. When I was in a monastery, Buddhist monastery in, in Maryland, okay, buzz cut, dressed like the Dalai Lama every day at Lockheed Martin, pushed the diversity policy to the bleeding edge. <laughs> um, there, I had a Lama who basically talked about the idea of one day he says, you know, your average person out here has this very narrow view of reality. And they have no idea how much paranormal stuff is going on around them. Okay. Ex some really exotic stuff is going on around them. Our, our eyes only see a very narrow portion of the light spectrum. We don't see any of the electromagnetic right. spectrum. Okay. And so he says people need to expand their, their, um, view of reality they need to expand the make their their view of uh, reality a little bit more elastic okay and that was a key thing another thing he taught was this idea of uh of deep meditation now i know a lot of witches who won't do divining oh i i don't fool with that stuff i just want to do active spell casting okay oh. <laughs> okay and the thing is, is you have to do any of the magic. You really, truly do have to learn to quiet your mind. Now, yes. you are already doing it. If you're sitting there staring at a candle to, to work a spell, 
that's kind of how you're sort of numbing the conscious mm-hmm. mind by staring at, or staring into the crystal ball or that's an inter- that's going inter- to a drumming party. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. It's all about quieting the, the chatter in the Western mind. And we've got so much to distract us. We've got, you know, people bowing their heads to their phone 80 times a day like it's a god, <laughs> you know. And um, get a virtual candle on there, people. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And uh, or at least download calm on there and give yourself some quiet time. Yes, you know? yes. <laughs> but the, the bottom line was uh, in the book, I wrote about the magical mechanics. In fact, I even talk about ET in one chapter, one of the more advanced chapters, uh, because if you quiet your mind sufficiently, the knowledge is available. Now, does it come down like a big booming voice? No, it does not. Okay, I'll give it a quick example. Um, there was a, a, a very advanced class that was going to be taught in our temple. Our, our Lama visiting high guy came and he said he was going to teach us 12 hour, uh, 12, uh, like 10 hours a day for 12 weeks kind of thing. And I went to him and says, uh, Master, I can't do that. I have this corporate job. I have nowhere near that amount of, 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 of uh, leave or vacation. And I still have bills to pay, so I can't like take a leave of absence to do that. And he looked at me and he says, well, he knew I was Wiccan. Okay. Mm-hmm. He says, you have experience with quieting the mind. Quiet yourself down do meditation every day and contemplate the teachings of the Shedra. All right. I did this and I did it faithfully every day. Okay. I never got to be more than 45 minutes worth of meditation capable. Okay. In seven years, it takes a lot of effort to do that. So don't think you can just jump in and do an hour's meditation. Okay. I would be happy. Yeah, I would be happy if you give me two minutes a day and keep a journal for about three months. And then maybe we can edge it up to five minutes a day after about three months. But people in America, oh, I can can puff through it. turn off the meditation because they think they have to be in a cave with nothing there. And they have to be there for hours. No, no, no. You're in the shower? You're in the shower for how long? You're in the, the front, you're on the throne. You're on the throne at lunchtime. (laughs) Give yourself two minutes in the ladies' room. Yep. Hit the timer on your cell phone for two minutes or three minutes and just be alone with your thoughts. But we've had a problem in this country of people being afraid. You, you can't go. You used to go and you go in the bank. People just sit there and they, they take kind of zone a little bit. Yeah. No, you go in the bank. Now they're everybody's like looking in their phones, you know, yeah. um, you got to handle this. That the phone is an addiction. If you're going to be an effective witch, you got to handle your addictions. Okay. Point one. Okay, and a lot of people play with the substances and things. You got to manage your addiction or you'll never be really, really good at this. Okay. The other point that I was bringing up was, okay, 10, 12 weeks later, he, his agent, his, um, his uh, assistant calls me up. Come on over. Holiness wants to see you. So I get in there. And uh, he's still got a lecture going. He sees me out in the hall, waves me in, sit down in an empty chair. So I'm sitting here. He's got 30 monks and nuns there. And he says, uh, okay, we're going to have a quiz. So he starts asking questions and go about five questions. Then he'd drop a ringer of a hard question. And everybody would look at each other and don't know the answer. And my Buddhist name was Tashi. And a, boom, a nun is called Ani. Or Ani is auntie in Tibetan. And he'd say, Anitashi, can you answer that? And I'd give him an answer. 
And he'd, he'd ask another five or six questions, and then he'd ask this another ringer, and he, nobody could answer it and did this. After about 30 questions and me answering five five or six really hard ones, this one senior monk stood up and says, this is the flunkiest novice we have in the place. How is she answering these questions? We've been with you for 12 weeks. And he gets a big smile. He says, how did you do it? And I says, well, I just reached into the great consciousness and got the answers. Now, was it a booming voice? No, you, I didn't even know I had it. It's sort of a download and suddenly <laughs> it's there. And it wasn't until somebody asked me a question, did I know I knew it? That's okay. Interesting. And the way I practice magic now and the way I've been practicing magic since I lived in the monastery, and that was from 97 to 2004, 2005-ish time, time period, um, best magic I work now, I learned from that direction, not from books. Yes, yes. So quieting yourself has its advantages, both one for doing divining, and you should do divining because that's how you pull down this information. And two, there are more advanced techniques you can use for doing active magic. Explain divining for somebody that might not be familiar because okay. um, I have a lot of audio people that um, I'm probably the only like, well... You know, they might be listening to an amazing podcast like Disclosure Team where it's all facts. It's it's yeah, straightforward yeah, yeah. interviews, you know, and then their mind's going to come on next on this this podcast. Oh, okay, fine. They're going to okay, be like, that's what is going on? Uh, who okay. am I listening to? <laughs> you know, like okay, what is defining okay. for people that are not uh, spiritual minded, I guess. Okay. I'm Cheryl Costa and I'm, I'm, I'm a retired witch of 44 years, ordained in multiple traditions, including um two lineages in Buddhism, no, Tibetan Buddhism. Okay. Okay. Here's what the deal is. Divining is uh, traditional diviners. Anybody plays with their pendulum and tries to tell your fortune. Anybody plays, works with tarot cards. Okay. Uh, there's a variety of other mechanisms for everything from reading bones to read, reading, reading uh, 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 innards from a dead chicken or something. You know, <laughs> I, I, I've, seen some amazing stuff yep, over yep. the years it's a real thing, guys. but basically the, anything that triggers your sub your your younger self subconscious it's a non-verbal conversation you have with your younger self now what is the younger self the younger self is that spark of the divine it's not separate from out there everybody think oh it's all out there no you are connected every atom in your body is connected to every atom and everything everywhere every win in the creation you are connected to everything. The reason you can't talk to an alien on Zeta Reticuli, 39 light years, is because your mind's got too much chatter. Can you do it after you quiet it down? Maybe. There's other impediments. But you can touch those aliens on that base on the backside of the moon. I've had, in 20 years, five different remote viewing classes that I taught. And I taught those people how to quiet themselves reach out with structured remote viewing, which is a form of divining and use the the techniques of remote viewing. And every single one of those classes eventually got a target card that was the base on the backside of the moon. Oh, and they wow. would put their pen down at the end of the, the session before we went into analysis and said, I don't know where you sent us, but those folks didn't want us there. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. And interesting. Cause a lot of people are, um, it's funny that people don't want to dip into the woo, but since there's government evidence of remote viewing classes or, you know, people doing remote viewing experiments, that's okay. 
but you know, don't talk about meditation to make. I've got the. I got a copy of the original know? CIA book on the topic. You know, so. Yeah, um, so it's funny how people are receptive, and you know, everybody has like their threshold, or it, everybody has a way that you'll reach them too, right? So certain yeah, language yeah. is going to appeal to some people, um, but that is super cool. Can I make a and point on one thing though? Absolutely. Okay. okay, with the remote viewing, people, why this reason? Why can't I reach out and touch that alien out there? Okay. Uh, we found out something over a number of classes. Now, these classes were not like a one-day class. It was the introduction was a one-day class. And then people signed up for an ongoing, like twice a month. Uh, my wife and I owned a fabric store. We would close, we were closed on Sunday. We would clean off the tables and have, have the people in there and lock the doors. And we would do uh, an all, all, all afternoon on Sunday um, target class. We, we had bags of stuffed target envelopes have a serial number on the outside. It's connected to something in, in that, in that envelope. This is how it's done. So what happened was uh, there were, we had the, the, the cards were stuffed by Linda's interns. I had no idea what was on them. I did give them some three by five cards with some known targets, but I had no idea what envelopes they were in. Okay. Oh, wow. and it's called double blinding by doing that. Yes. Okay. So um, we found over the years that there was some, uh, there were some people, you send them to a target, they put their pen down when they can't do it anymore. They put their pen down. And when we got into analysis, we found out I sent, we sent them to the Titanic where it is now two under two miles of water. Some people couldn't go there. Some people couldn't go to the moon to Tranquility Base to, to watch the guys plant the flag on the moon. Okay. Uh, they couldn't do it. Why? It seemed to be since your subconscious element of your being, not, not your body, your, your being, that, that, that part that hides behind the eyes, it's a gazillion years old. Okay. That part, you, you not your soul, but your spiritual self that's connected to everything had a natural sense of self-preservation. There's two miles of water. I'll drown. I'll die. The pressure. Oh, I go out into orbit to the space station. There's no air. I'll die. I'll go to the moon. I'll burn up or I'll die. Okay. Same thing when we sent them to, to, to find a spirit or, or, or opportunity on Mars, same kinds of things. Some people couldn't do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And some people said, even wrote in the margins, I'll get lost. And they had no idea what the target was. Wow. They had no idea what the target was, but they've scribbled, they're going through the protocols and they would scribble in the margins, I'll get lost, I'll die, something like this. One of the best targets we ever did, only one person of all my students was ever able to touch this target. The target ended up being Voyager 1, where it is now at the edge of the solar system. It wow. takes radio signals over 10 hours to get here at that time. This is in 2013. It's even worse now. Okay. She crawled all over that thing. But guess what was unique about her? She was the only one in the class that was a trained seasoned witch. Oh, wow. Okay. She was drawing technical aspects of it in the margins. She was answering all the questions. She crawled all over Voyager one. So yes, we can reach out and touch the great consciousness because we are connected to it. Can we reach out and talk to uh, the, some grays over on, on mm -hmm. Zeta Reticuli? 
yeah, perhaps, but it's going to take something more than somebody who meditates once in a while. Okay. I don't even try to do that, but I do ask for information from the great consciousness. And maybe one of these days I'll ask him about the grace, but up until now, I've just used that information to enhance my magical knowledge and my mystical knowledge. There's a lot to learn. Absolutely. And I, I don't get to do it as much as I like to. I have two small kids home with them. So I don't have, and then when husband gets home, it's time to spend time with the husband in most, most times. (laughs) And, um, you know, I don't have the time to just lose myself in that. Like I used to, you know, um, before kids, before marriage. So what you get to access, but like you said, I will take what I can. I'll take the two minutes. If I got two minutes, noise canceling headphones and some frequencies, you know what I mean? I'll steal it where you can. Yes. There's even been days where I noticed the boys playing happily together. I'll go in the bathroom, lock myself in there. And do some breaths and breathing just to reconnect and um, come back from wherever we're sending our energy to all day. This book, the first draft of it, my adult daughter, she's in her 40s. She has, um, she's a magical adept in her own right. Okay. In fact, she trained with other people other than me. Okay. Mom's stupid, you know. So, okay. <laughs> she, 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 she trained with other people. Okay. <laughs> And um, she read through it and she said, you can't publish this. I said, why? And she says, it's too simple. You've magic made magic so simple. You're, you're handing out loaded shotguns to third graders. And I said, that was the objective was to make it so simple. Yes. Anybody can do it. Yes. Okay. But the one part that the, the shaky part is, yeah. So what if I'm handing out loaded shotguns? You can't pull the trigger if you don't know how to meditate. Yeah. And quiet your mind. Quiet the chatter in your mind. That's uh, and so many different religious modalities or beliefs out there tell you that in their own way. Yeah. You know, um, I remember in, uh, you know, when I was in Catholic school, it would be quiet prayer time or contemplation or, you know, stuff like that. So, and people are afraid of meditation, but there's so many different types of meditation. There's a meditation technique for everybody to start off with. Yes, you eventually want to get more and more quiet, but you know, people with but this ADD, is the 21st but, century. We've got we, we've got stuff the bioral CDs. Yep, that yep. put tones in yours. You can't do it with earbuds. You got to really do it with covering headphones. Yep, okay? the noise canceling, and it gets they put one tone in one ear. And they put a different tone in the other ear and yeah. it gets the two hemispheres of your brain resonating a different way. Yeah. And what it amounts to is it puts you into alpha in about 10 minutes. Yes. Yes. Okay? Yes. My llama thought it was cool as heck. And yeah. that is one way to do it, but you should know how to quiet yourself. Here's the trick with it, before you even work on those, the key thing with the, the people say, well, I, I can do 15 minutes of meditation. I doubt it because, because it is hard. Okay. Mm. Why did we do the meditation the way we're doing for two minutes? Because all this ghosty stuff comes up in your consciousness, your boss yelling at you, your, your mm-hmm. ex yelling at you, your kids yelling at mm-hmm. you, your, your teacher from fifth grade yelling at you, all this crap that's rolling around in your subconscious. Yeah. 
And you have to kind of handle it, let it pass, you know, and, and, and get to the point where all these things don't come up as frequently and don't terrorize you. And then you can increase the amounts of vent meditation. Why, who wants to sit there for 10 minutes and have all that crap in their face? Right. Do it for two or three minutes. Handle it. You don't fight it. Just let it go. Let it go like the ghost that it is. That's right. the trick with med early stages of meditation and to just get used to it. Once you start getting past all the crap, it becomes very easy. You get lost in meditation. Oh my God, I did it for 10 minutes. Yeah. Wow. I, who knew, you know, um, uh, I, I have a little kitchen egg timer. I do five, even though I'm monastery trained, I do five minutes in the morning. I do five minutes at, uh, around lunchtime or so. And I do about five minutes before, yeah. before bed type of thing. Cause and, you're not in a monastery right now, right? No, you're, no, you know, no. You're and I don't go into a Lotus. I can't do the Lotus position anymore. <laughs> My legs just can't handle it. I sit down on a little stool over here, or I sit down at the corner of the bed. I don't yes. lay down on the bed i sit on the corner of the bed and i just quiet put my hands on my knees and i just quiet myself and do deep breathing i do have a timer going and i just go ahead for that five minutes now initially when you're doing that two to five minutes that two minutes is an eternity okay oh, yeah but yeah. you got to do it and the discipline is doing it every day if yeah, I, I already had some students come back. Well, I'm not be keeping up with it. Well, you can't be a Jedi Knight if you don't do it. Right, right. And I remember doing yoga when I first started doing yoga. And oh, my first great. Yin yoga class, I was pissed. I was pissed the whole time during Yin yoga because I was like, I'm sitting here and I have I've been diagnosed with ADHD, so I can't. It's already hard to think about one thing. I'm medicated right now, but um, you know. Before that, I was trying to use yoga and meditation as my um, medication, basically, and it was working for, but, you know, um, I had to do a lot of it. Like I had to do over an hour of yoga and meditation a day for it to do what I wanted it to do. Um, but I remember doing yin yoga just, I'm not even going to lie. I was pissed the whole time. Like I am sitting here with my leg over here and my head down there and my arm over here. And I'm just sitting here. I was mad that I was just sitting there. And then finally you have this breakthrough where that just like, it just leaves you. Yeah. And then you're just, I swear, like I would feel like high afterwards. Like I was on another dimension after doing any sort of like yoga that was over 30 minutes, usually the vinyasa because it was like a cycle. And um, it seriously saved me during the hardest times of my life. Um but when I do it, I'd like leave my room and I'd just be like on another level, you know. Um, George Hernandez brings up Hemisync, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yes, um, I, recommend Hemisync. Hemisync. I recommend Hemisync. I recommend Hemisync. It can be gotten through the um, Monroe Institute. Yeah. You can Google them. Uh, the other one you can Google is actually Google Hemisync. And yeah. uh, uh, you'll find... Uh, the CD products available, and I strongly recommend the technology. I That's used great. it, uh, and I, I introduced it to a number of people at the monastery I was associated with. It was great. It's a great technology, but you should also learn. One of the things you can do with the HemiSync, which is fantastic, is I used to do this with some of my students. That right, got I got a headphone amplifier, which has plugins for multiple sets of headphones like oh, four cool. to eight headphones and i had everybody get a pair of headphones and they'd go up the radio shack and get a pair of headphones that would cover their ears you know and i had them all lay down in on the front room on the floor and i'd hook them up and i'd start it up and within five minutes they're all snoring 
Okay, it <laughs> relaxed them that much, you know. And so the lesson had to be was to fight. There's yes. this very delicate part of consciousness yes. between being wide awake and uh, with everything running and um, being going into deep sleep. There's just right. a little balance. You have to find this little mm -hmm. band of balance, you know. And so I would work with them and they would do a session with me uh, uh, once or twice a week for a while until they got used to it. And what the hemisync did for you was it gave you a taste of what that meditative state should taste yes. like or be like, okay? Yes. And once you got a hang on it, you got, you know what it was like, then it was easier to get there yourself by doing your manual you recognize meditation. you're going into that part. Yeah. Yes. It's the same yes. with lucid dreaming. I do a lot of like one of my gifts I was told is like dream walking. So I do a lot of dream work with other people and helping them get that state. But I was like, dang, I wish I would have known about hemisync. Can you explain what hemisync is um, to Ms. Pinsir? Okay. 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 Think of it this way. Um, you put a hundred Hertz tone. You can't hear the tones that will get you into the zone. Okay, because they're below the range of human hearing. So, um, hemisync is say they take a hundred hertz tone and put it in one ear, and they put a hundred hertz, a uh, hundred and eight hertz tone in the other ear. Okay, and it gets your two hemispheres of the brain, um, uh, resonating at different rates, and effectively, the beat between both hemispheres of the brain is eight Hertz and it puts you in alpha like that. And they, mm -hmm. some of the other CDs they use can put you down in the Delta and all the other different ranges, but getting into that alpha state was key to being able to find that little meditative zone. And uh, it's a fantastic technology. It was originally discovered the, the, these uh, but the bioral tones were discovered actually back in the uh, 1870s by a German physicist. Okay. And then in the 1970s, um, Mr. Monroe and his team started trying to utilize the technology and they developed Hemisync. Yes. And it's great. That's one of the super quick ways to learn it. But I, when I, um, I was never able to find a coven and actually stay in one because I barely started talking about my spirituality probably in 2014 and being military, we move, we move, we move. And we're yeah. always in these conservative areas. Well, I had found a coven out here and um, they had some a falling out between the um, the people that were running it. So it was, but it was we were doing so so many cool things, um, like the whole light as a feather, stiff as a board thing. Like we lifted like a three hundred pound Viking dude, like with our fingers. Like it's real people. Like it's insane what your mind can do. You know, mind over matter type thing. But yes, um, and the benefits of meditation aren't just spiritual. It's and I think mind, body, spirit is one thing for, for people that need their little boxes. It's very spiritual. Um, I think that Pinsir the military is teaching it now because it, it helps manage the P yeah. everything from PTSD to yeah. other kinds of stress. Actually, actually helps field soldiers um, stay up longer, stay awake longer because they're they're given these shorter periods of meditation, yeah. which is actually restful too especially during certain trainings where they don't sleep for days yeah. and pain management too, um, be it mental pain or chronic pain. I know a lot of people, you know, she says, I wish I could separate from my chronic pain on demand. And this is something you could definitely work with. Um, I know we are over the hour by 18 minutes. You have time for one more question. Sure do. Okay. So I have random content and 
real quick, thank you to everybody that's coming in here. I see Penzer, Paranormal Pixie. We saw Laura. I saw John Music in there somewhere earlier. George Hernandez, everybody here live. Thank Hi, you everybody. So it's nice to see everybody come in. I really appreciate you. Um, so, oh, random content has a question. Remote viewing and do alien others look through human eyes? And I, are you, did you ask, somebody asked the question, do you think there's Gray's um, remote viewing us from other places? So, um, do aliens yes. or others, you know, do they see us through human eyes? Do they look through human eyes? Sometimes. Okay. Um, th there's been evidence that uh, there are some people who have um, a shared consciousness with uh, with some aliens. Okay. Uh, I've interviewed a few people like that and mm -hmm. uh, uh, as a journalist. And um, uh, I didn't know quite what to make of it. But uh, th there seems to be a very serious phenomena along that line where certain people have shared something uh, shared a portion of their consciousness um with with that uh but also in the witch community uh, there are people who are uh carrying i don't want to say carrying full-blown god or goddess inside them like a possession type a, a god or goddess possession but they are uh, sharing an emanation mm. of a certain god or goddess now this caution to everyone don't invite anything in no okay that's the worst <laughs> thing you could do do not invite anything in the the gods and goddesses they have their own channel into us they don't need to be invited in okay right. you invite something in you're probably going to invite somebody who's saying oh we'll give you all kinds of power you know right? no, they're lying they're lying through their <laughs> their spiritual teeth trust yes, me yes. um i've seen a few bad possessions and we gotta have nathaniel gillis nice. talking to you guys my the demonologist yeah yeah <laughs> do 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 <laughs> yeah but as far as the aliens concerned there are people who have been touched um, uh, probably in a, uh, I don't, I hate to call it an abduction an experience or situation with, with the aliens and they have, um, uh, they're touched and they have a kind of a, uh, kind of a running spiritual phone yeah. line to some of them. N this is not a common thing and not to be invited, but, uh, they seem to find you. And in fact, a lot of people that are being touched by ET these days are not being carried off to a spaceship. They're no. being touched during dream time. Right, right. Okay, and uh, it's all happening. Uh, it's happening. The 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 contact is occurring during dream time. Et seems to be extremely concerned about expanding our view, our our, mm -hmm. our elastic reality, and they are trying to turn us into spiritual mystics. And and um, excuse the expression, uh, stop believing all the baloney that's being pushed around by the uh, Christian right about what spirituality is and, and all this type of thing. Um, I, I sat on the local board up uh, Syracuse, New York. I sat on the uh, board of the um, clergy council there. I was the only pagan representative there. And early on when they first, I first started showing up in my clergy shirt with a green collar. Okay. And uh, they, they say, well, do you people worship the devil? No, we don't. That's a Christian thing, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. or an anti-Christian thing. And then they'd say, well, do you guys have a God? I said, Hey, we got gods by the bushel, That's you know? <laughs> you know, and of course the, 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 the Hindu clergy there was like, yeah, 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 32, yeah. 32 million. Yeah. Betcha. You know? So, um, they wised up to us and they saw that our clergy were doing the same thing their clergy yes. were doing. We hold the hands of the dying. We bless babies. Uh, you know, yes. uh, uh, we do all this stuff and we hold 
rituals that are important to our community. And uh, we, we broke a lot of barriers down. Unfortunately, okay. nobody back, nobody was willing to backfill the position with. And when I left, Oh, that's, uh, you know, you, you can break down doors, but work, people yeah. other people won't go, go and do the work, you know, and yep. that's a darn shame. That's a darn shame. Uh, and of course this goes right into the idea of being available 24 seven to, you know, be a, a chaplain at a hospital. Yes. Uh, I was running a center for my order, a uh, Tibetan order uh, in upstate New York at one point. And I was based out of Washington, DC and I put all my stuff into storage and went up there. And um, I was the Buddhist chaplain for four hospitals up in Southern New York. When I say Southern New York, I'm talking to Southern tier right up there in the Pennsylvania border. And uh, I also was signed up with them. I say, I can handle the Wiccans too, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And, um, uh, it was never a convenient time. I had a corporate job. I had to get up for it seven 30 in the morning. I had to be online with my corporate job because I was teleworker in those days. And, uh, but I get a call at two o'clock in the morning, Mr. So-and-so is getting ready to pass away. Would you please come and help him with the passing rights, which in Tibetan Buddhism means I'm going to put him in his final meditation and talk him to wow. death. Okay. And, uh, so th it's a process called POA, P-O-W-A. And, uh, it, it, I was trained to do that. I'm a death and dying nun. So, um, so th that's, that's, there's a lot of responsibility. I know a lot of people say, I want to marry and bury people. Well, that, that, that's the public side of it until you start doing the pastoral oh. stuff where you're there available reg uh, you know 24 7 right uh, you aren't doing the pastoral stuff and, and the marrying and burying goes goes along with that absolutely people don't when you're when you're holding space like that people don't like it's such an honor to be with somebody when they're doing something a big event um such as marrying and dying you know but at the same time um it has to be tiring if you even if you know how to ground even if you know how to do you you've still sort of like transitioned yourself too at the same time because you have to go with them in a sense um yes yes you, you know, do people don't think that they think you're just there like saying a bunch of prayers and holding a hand no you're you're no no you're you're, you're, you're there with them Yep. Yep. So, um, and, and, and it's one of those things where you, you're sort of going into meditation with them to guide them those first steps, you right. know, hand them, right. hand them off to other people. Um, uh, it always requires me to go out into the parking garage afterwards. Yeah. And you don't have the family there for it. You have to chase them out because they're going to start screaming, crying and wailing. Yeah. You can't have them around. You've got to be able to talk this person down. Uh, set them, they set them up. We set them up in bed and we bring that life, that chi force out through their top channel. And um, uh, so after I would do one of those things, I would get down to the parking garage and go over to one of those cold water pipe, uh, fire pipes and hold on that for a ground yeah. <laughs> because it, 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 it's, a hot, yeah. it's a powerful experience, but um, um, we can talk about this another oh, time. Oh, absolutely. But, yeah. We'll have to have a, I'd love to come two. back. Yeah. Oh yes, definitely. I'm going to be moving in August to Baltimore. So once I get there, I'm going to have all my part two people come on because we could definitely have a whole another conversation on this. And you're getting a lot of compliments here in the chat. Um, Pinsler says, I can listen to Cheryl all day. Her friends are so lucky to know her. And guys, I didn't realize she was a witch till like 
probably last week when I was starting to kind of like work out my, you know, what I wanted to talk about. And um, then I saw her book, which I'm definitely getting and I'm going to mail to you and you're going to sign it and do all that stuff. <laughs> so um, when you mail yeah. it to me, go to the post office and mail it book rate to me. Okay. Oh, I okay. didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. It's a book. Just it's a, that's the only thing in there. You put it in there, you send, you send it book rate. And, I didn't um, know that was a thing, and I'm addicted yeah, to it, books. It Think goes a little slow. Costs. It's not first. It's not first class. Oh like, no, no, it's not. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, I send, and whenever I have to send books out to uh, radio stations, editors, and things, um, yeah, I, I send them book rate, and I've gotten very good at sending them book rate. Uh, I've already had two or three people bought it off Amazon. Okay, they got it in like two or three days. Turned around, stuffed it into an eight by ten padded envelope, shipped it to me. I autographed it and I put a, I put a stamp. I have an embossing stamp that makes it like a collector's item. Mm -hmm. And then I ship it back to them. Yeah. We won't be doggy doggy earring that one, guys. We'll use a bookmark. <laughs> we'll be classy people and use a bookmark. It you know, has, I everything it like has a been a pleasure. Yep. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, thanks to everybody in the chat. If you're listening now, later, please like subscribe, share. I'm going to get some of Cheryl's other links in the description, like her podcast and, um, an updated bio because I think I might have grabbed an old one because it doesn't say all this cool stuff. But um, if you're living on listening on Anomalous Podcast Network, thank you so much. There's different ways to support the channel in the description, like buy me a coffee, um, give me a high five virtually, something like that. Um, Cheryl, do you have any closing thoughts? Where are you going to be next and where can people find you? Um, the, the, the thing I'm doing this weekend is uh, we're at the Ozark Mountain UFO Conference in Eureka Springs, uh, uh, Arkansas. And it's a, it's been, it's a conference that's been going on for, except for the two years of the COVID lockdown, it's been going on about 35 years. I spoke to 32 year one in 2019 and, um, um, both me and Linda are speaking this time together. Oh. So she's our lead, you know, she's the lead scientist in the project and now that she's retired, she's going to go and go on stage with me and we're talking, awesome. talk, talk about it. So I'm looking forward to doing a conference with Linda. Okay. And your podcast, you mentioned my, it earlier. My podcast is, uh, if you go out onto, if you look for Zychotica, um, if you can find it on Facebook too, Zychotica on uh, Z-Y-K, I don't remember how to spell it, but Zychotica, you'll find it. I'll find and, it. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, if you go to Zychotica out on uh, YouTube, you'll find probably four or five of my episodes, a couple where I'm interviewing people. And then after that, the producers asked me just to straight up teach, kind of like I'm doing here, straight up with you face to face. And uh, that's been getting better ratings. So that's what the producer wants. That's what I give them. And so uh, we're going to start uh, there. He's got three more. I, I pre-recorded three Very more cool. episodes. So we're just going to keep going. And, you know, from time to time, I'll be either quoting from my own book. I'll be quoting from, you know, other people's books, like, you know, like this one right here, Becoming a Garment yeah. of Isis, you know, that type of thing. And I'll be uh, qu quoting other books and teaching and, um, uh, these things will be something you can, because it's on YouTube, it'll be there perpetually as a, as a source of review. I've, I've actually had some of my students from 25 or 30 years ago <laughs> say, Hey, I went and listened to that. Wow. That was as good as the lecture you gave 30 years nice. ago. You know, So that's, that's been fun. And you know, it was funny when I was at that new age tour, a young woman came and sat down next to me and she looked at me real careful and she called me by an older witch name that I ran by back in the nineties. Wow. 
And she says, you remember the store up in North Baltimore? It doesn't exist now. So I'm sorry, but um, up in North, North Baltimore, and there was like a little four-year-old girl sitting on the cash uh-huh. on, the, on the, on the, on the sales stand and the was lady her? would ring you up. She <laughs> says, yeah, she says, that was me. I know who you are. And, That's awesome. and this was here in Ohio. And I, I, I about died. She, she walked in, took a good look at me and said, oh my God, your ladies, you know, and I'm going, oh my God, you know. Yeah. So, that's very cool. Well, we'll definitely have you on for a part two because you're going to be learning more UFO research and you're going to be doing more witchy things, it sounds like, and hopefully Please. get back into your uh, theater and all that good stuff, too, because you seem to love, you know, presenting. And I met those people <laughs> at that new age store. Five people came in, told us they were from the community theater community oh, and wow. they were talking to me. And I said, can, where can I plug in? Yes, <laughs> Please? Yes, for sure. <laughs> you, know? for sure. So. you definitely deserve some of that. So hang out for a minute after I end the broadcast so I could say goodbye to okay. you. Um, again, thank you, everybody. All the links are below. I'm going to add all her other links as well. And thank you, thank you, thank you. I will see you guys next Wednesday. Actually, I'll see you on Disclosure Team tomorrow. So, yes. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone.